Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about Filipino witchcraft. Now I want to get into some more general descriptions of witchcraft in the Philippines. Let's just jump right in. Filipino witches. Filipino witches are users of black magic and related practices from the Philippines. They include a variety of different kinds of people with differing occupations and cultural connotations, which depend on the ethnic group that they are associated with. Filipino witches are completely different from the Western notion of what a witch is. Each ethnic group has their own definition and practices attributed to witches. The curses and other magic of witches are often blocked, countered, cured, or lifted by Filipino shamans that are associated with the specific indigenous Philippine folk religions. Filipino witches practice a sort of black magic, specifically a malevolent use of sympathetic magic, which is associated with indigenous Philippine religions. Witchcraft has been present throughout the Philippines before Spanish colonization, but today, each ethnic group in the Philippines has their own terms for witches. Here's a little more information on Philippine black magic. Filipino witches are believed to have powers that cause harm to other people covertly. Healer sorcerers who practice this kind of sorcery usually justify it as a form of criminal punishment. They believe that this magic won't work on people who are innocent. The targets of this type of black magic are usually wrongdoers like thieves, adulterous spouses, or land grabbers. There are also true sorcerers who are said to have hereditary sorcerous powers. Unlike healers, they do not consider the justice of their actions. So these true sorcerers are often conflated with the evil supernatural beings capable of appearing human, like the Aswang and the Mananangao. One of the most common kinds of black magic is a malevolent use of sympathetic magic. This is known by various names like Kulam, which I already discussed. Despite the differences in terminology, though, among the different ethnic groups, the methods are almost identical across the Philippine islands, and even across Southeast Asia in general. This type of sorcery uses beetles, effigies, poppets, a boiling pot, or some other type of representation of the target victim. These are usually linked by including bodily excuvae like hair or nail clippings. These are activated by chants, spells, or symbols, sometimes syncretized with Christian or Muslim rituals. The sorcerer then either harms the effigy to cause corresponding harm to the victim, or physically sends objects to the victim's body, which can range from insects, stones, to pins. In some instances, the ingredients of the ritual themselves determine the effects. For example, adding seawater to a boiling pot linked to a victim is said to cause the victim's belly to swell and ache in time with the tides. Other types of malevolent powers are more direct. These include the ability to kill another person instantly with magic spells, the ability to cast curses or the evil eye, the ability to abduct a person's soul, or the ability to send evil spirits or familiar animals to possess or harm the victim. Some of these sorcerous powers can be explained by the use of poisons or sleight of hand. In most cases, however, accusations of this type of black magic are often born out of paranoia, moral panic, or mass hysteria against disliked or mistrusted members of the community. This is similar to what happened in the European witch hunts. People who are accused
accused of black magic were often ostracized and in some cases they were even subjected to violence. This was especially true during the Spanish colonial period where in one instance in the mid-19th century a Filipino curate ordered the assassination of 57 people that he suspected were sorcerers casting evil spells on his sick mother. Sorcerous attacks are most commonly treated with sumbalic, which are counter spells or antidotes, and they themselves are a form of sorcery, but they don't usually require interaction with the spirits. So these sumbalic deflect the effects of the curse and return it to the caster. In extreme cases, sumbalic can kill the caster. Other healing rituals against sorcery do not harm the caster, but instead supposedly moves them to pity, and that way they revoke the curse. Here's a little more on the methods that they use. Kulam uses beetles, effigies, poppets, a boiling pot, or some other type of representation of the target victim. And these things are usually linked by including some bodily excuve like hair or nail clippings like I said, earth or soil, fire, herbs, spices, candles, oils, and kitchenwares are often used for the rituals, charms, spells, and potions. Here's a quick list of a few different types of magic. Barang, which refers to a type of beetle, usually employs a swarm of destructive insects, specifically carnivorous beetles. Another method is usik, which is also known as sharp magic, and it's used to induce illnesses using smaller insects. Hilo and lason are poison magic. Pactol is doll magic using skulls or representations of the victim. Laga is boiling magic. Laga means to brew or to boil in a pot. Sampal is sea creature magic. Other malevolent powers are more direct and they include, like I said, the ability to kill another person instantly with magic spells, the ability to cast curses and the evil eye, and the ability to abduct a person's soul, or the ability to send evil spirits or familiar animals to possess or harm the victim. There are a few different types of practitioners in Filipino folk magic, and there are various names for sorcerers in the different Filipino ethnic groups. Most of these names have negative connotations, so they could probably be translated to something equivalent to witch or hag in English. I'm going to briefly talk about Aswang, Mangkukulam, Mambabarang, and Usikan. First, Aswang. The Aswang are vampire like supernatural entities and they're sometimes considered a type of witch since they can start out as an ordinary person. They have strong powers of sorcery, particularly shape-shifting, and they maintain these shape-shifting powers by feeding on humans. An Aswang cannot be born to normal parents. They either need to have an Aswang parent or gain their curse through transference called Salab. Depending on local beliefs, this can involve an Aswang merely looking at a victim or contaminating the food of the victim with secretions or by directly transferring their powers through touch on their deathbed. Next, Mankukulam. A Mankukulam can be considered a Filipino witch, literally meaning a practitioner of Kulam, a curse called a Sumpa, which can be translated as a vow or oath or curse. A Mankukulam may use a voodoo doll and a needle to cast spells on people they want to take revenge on, but largely they use natural magic and superstitions similar to an albulari 
Bulario or witch doctor. Both Albularios and Mangukulams are considered witches, but the main difference is that the Albulario is more of a doctor who heals people, while a Mangukulam is a malevolent person who tricks and curses people. The primary methods employed by a Mangukulam are candle lighting rituals, scrying or tawas, recitation of spells, and concocting potions. Healer sorcerers who practice Kulam usually justify it as a form of criminal punishment as a widespread belief is that black magic does not work on people who are innocent. Modern popular culture depicts Mankukulam as mainly doing only love potions and malicious curses, but more extreme depictions claim they can summon ghosts to haunt dolls, raise the dead, or at least control dead bodies, and other things related to necromancy. Mambabarang. The Mambabarang is the Bisayan version of a sorcerer or sorceress. The Mambabarang uses insects and spirits to enter the body of any person they hate. Mambabarang are ordinary human beings with black magic who torture and later kill their victims by infesting their bodies with insects. They are different from Mankukulams who only inflict pain or illness. Mambabarang use a strand of hair from their chosen victim and tie it to the bugs or worms which they will use as a medium. When they prick the bug, the victim immediately experiences the intended effect. The name is derived from the word barang. In legends, the mamba barang keeps his swarm of carnivorous beetles in a bottle or a section of bamboo, carefully feeding them ginger root. When the practitioner decides to employ his dark art, he performs a prayer ritual wherein he whispers instructions and identifies the victim to the beetles. The destructive beetles are then set free to seek out the victim and gain entry into the body via any bodily orifice like the nose, mouth, ears, anus, or dermal breaks such as open sores or wounds. The victim will then feel the effects of the invasion of the insects through manifestations depending on the area of entry, like hemorrhoids if it was through the anus, earache if it was through the ears, and other similar cases. The resulting illness is supposedly resistant to conventional medical treatment and only reveals its true nature when the victim succumbs and the flying insects come out of their bodily cavities. In reality, it is possible a carnivorous bee beetle could lay eggs in someone it killed, and the eggs would then hatch post-mortem. Usikan. The Usikan is also known as the Buyagan. Usikan is a type of Visayan sorcerer that can inflict harm through words. Usikan can affect not only people, but also plants, animals, and inanimate objects. They cause harm by complimenting someone or something, either unwittingly or with malevolent intent. To protect against this, people carefully avoid accepting compliments from strangers and may say the phrase fuera buyag, which comes from the Spanish fuera buyag. They say this immediately after giving a compliment or receiving one. Usikan can be recognized by having a dark tongue or by being born with teeth. Unlike other types of witches, the power of the Usikan is innate and is not acquired by choice. Usikan are not innately malevolent and in most cases they are believed to be unaware that they even possess the power. So here are some remedies. A typical belief of Kulam is that curses are mitigated by finding the caster and bribing him or her to lift the curse. Superstitious people still attribute certain illnesses or diseases to Kulam. This most often happens 
scenes in rural areas where an herbal doctor called an albulario diagnoses a victim using a divination method called pagtatawas and helps the victim cure his or her malady. Superstitious folks still attribute certain illnesses or diseases to barang. This most often happens in provinces where an herbal doctor like an albulario or faith healer or a manam treats these diseases. Filipino shamans are notable for countering and preventing the curses and powers of witches, notably through the usage of special items and chants. Sorceress attacks are most commonly treated with sumbalik, which are counterspells or antidotes, and they deflect the effects of the curse and return it to the caster. Darker forms of remedies to kulam include albularios whipping the bewitched person with a buntat pagi, which is a stingray's tail, until the afflicted person is forced to divulge the witch's name and confront him or her. This is done in the belief that the one who is getting hurt is the witch and not the bewitched person. So basically, they're beating the person who believes they're under a witch's spell with a stingray's tail, but as they're beating this person who they think is under the spell, they feel like they're actually beating the person who cast the spell. So that's interesting. I want to get into a little bit more about albulario and pagtatawas and then Filipino shamans. Albulario is a Filipino term for a witch doctor, folk healer, or medicine man. They practice folk medicine and they usually use medicinal plants in their trade. An albulario is a folk doctor, and they're commonly found in more rural areas of the Philippines. They heal people using herbs and traditional practices like hilot or massage. Their services are considered either as a first or last resort for addressing illnesses. The albulario's patients claim that the practitioners have supernatural powers that modern medicine does not provide. This belief makes them more trustworthy than modern doctors. Aside from practicing folk medicine, the albulario also practices black magic and curses people. The albulario practices their trade using prayers called oraciones and rituals. They also use concoctions made from plant parts such as leaves, bark, roots, and oils such as coconut oils. Pangalap is the process of searching for these medicinal plants and pabukal is the preparation of decoctions from those plants. Albularios also use their own saliva and pieces of papers and writings. The albulario might use tawas, which are crystals, to find out who is causing the ailments in their patients. They may also use candle wax poured in water, eggs, or spirits to divine the cause of the ailments. Some ailments are claimed to be the work of lamang lupa who are unknowingly or knowingly harming the patient. The albulario may then use rituals and prayers to drive away the spirit and therefore remove the sickness from the patient. I mentioned pagtatawas. Pagtatawas is a divination ritual and it's usually carried out by mangtatawas, which literally means user of tawas. This method of divination is used to diagnose an affliction or psychological disorder by interpreting shapes produced in water by heated alum or molten wax dropped from a burning candle. So it is basically both a form of caromancy and orictomancy. In this technique, alum or hydrated aluminum potassium sulfate is what is used. It's also called tawas in the local vernacular. And that's where the term pagtatawas comes from, the tawas part. So the tawas is the alum crystal. 
that's used. And this technique is ritualistically used by the albulario or medicine man to pinpoint a variety of health conditions like a child's incessant crying, frequent fatigue, or even failure to conceive. The tawas is used to trace the sign of the cross on the patient's forehead or ailing parts of the body as prayers are being whispered. The alum is then placed on glowing embers, removed when it starts to crack, and then transferred to a small basin of water. As it cools, the alum's new form spreads on the water surface and assumes a shape that may suggest the cause of the illness. Often, one of several indigenous forces like dwarfs, demons, or other malevolent spirits are revealed by the Tawas. The water is then used to anoint the ailing part of the body and to counteract the evil forces or illnesses. The Tawas is then discarded and thrown westward, preferably towards the setting sun. So basically, the albulario is interpreting these vague shapes that are produced by the wax or by the alum crystal as it re-solidifies in the basin of water. An albulario may see supernatural beings displeased as the cause of the illness in the shapes and forms of the wax or alum, and then they might suggest some cleansing ritual or peace offering to the spirit. Modern variations have the albulario use other materials for divination, like eggs, mirrors, blank paper, cigarettes, chewing gum, chicken feathers, or the liver of a freshly slaughtered chicken or pig. Next, I want to get into usag, which is also called balis. It's a topic in psychomedicine in Filipino psychology, but some people just consider it Filipino superstition. And this is an affliction or psychological disorder that is attributed to a greeting by a stranger or basically an evil eye hex. And it usually affects an unsuspecting child, usually an infant or toddler who has been greeted by a visitor or stranger. This idea may have been influenced by the advent of the Spaniards who long believed in mal de ojo or evil eye superstitions. So once affected, the child child begins to develop fever and sometimes convulsions. The child can be cured by placing their clothing in hot water and boiling it. In some places, to counter the effects of the usog, the stranger or newcomer is asked to put some of his or her saliva on the baby's abdomen, shoulder, or forehead before leaving the house. The newcomer then leaves while saying, puera usog, puera usog, which is like out usog. The saliva is placed on the finger first before the finger is rubbed on the baby's abdomen or forehead. The stranger is never to lick the child. The practice is that the stranger or visitor is asked to touch his or her finger with saliva to the child's body, like their arm or foot, to prevent the child from getting overpowered. Protective charms may also be added to an infant's clothing to ward off usag. So people have come up with theories to try to explain usag scientifically. One theory explains usag in in terms of a child's distress that leads to greater susceptibility to illness and diseases. There are observations that a stranger or newcomer or even a visiting relative, especially someone with a strong personality, like physically big, boisterous, or has a strong smell or is domineering, may easily distress the child. So the child is said to be overpowered and they may feel afraid, develop fever, get sick, etc. In Usag, the child's distress is the consequence of the child's failure to adapt to change. In medical terms, it could be viewed as the consequence of the disruption of homeostasis through physical or psychological stimulus.
stimuli that's brought about by the stranger. So technically, the condition results from the child-environment interaction that leads the child to perceive a painful discrepancy, real or imagined, between the demands of a situation on one hand and their social, biological, and psychological resources on the other hand. The stressful stimuli to the child may be mental, like the stranger is perceived as a threat, malevolent, or demanding. It may be physiological, like they have a loud or high-pitched voice that is hurting the child's ears. They might have a strong smell that irritates the child's nasal nerves, or they may actually be physically intimidating, like if the stranger has heavy hands or is taking up too much space. The stranger's act of gently placing his finger with saliva to the child's arm, foot, or any particular part of the child's body could make him more familiar to the child and thus reduce, if not remove, the stress. If the stranger keeps gently saying, Puera usog, puera usog, the child is made to feel assured that the stranger means no harm. The usog is said to be counteracted because the child is prevented from succumbing to an illness since the child is no longer in distress. Children or even adults who are shy or have weak personalities are more susceptible to usog. Even praising a shy child can cause Usog. Usog can also affect adults, but it's far less common. And when Usog affects an adult, it might include vomiting or a stomach ache rather than a fever. And this can be prevented by stopping a stranger or visitor from greeting the person. There's more information that I want to share about Filipino witchcraft. I want to talk about Filipino shamans and how important they were during the period of Spanish colonialism in the Philippines. I think it's really cool the way indigenous people relied on their spiritual beliefs for strength in the face of oppression. So I'm going to get into that a little more in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.